But we're just going to be flying through this chapter today and uh, letting God speak to us through it. But Paul and Silas, they are on their way. They have been sent out by the church to go and to plant churches, to, to go in, on a missionary journey. And Paul was a master church planner. He had to be a master communicator. He loved people. He didn't care what the cost was. He said, I'm going to do whatever it is I have to do to see somebody else come to know Jesus. And in fact, there's a, a vision that is really, really neat that takes place in the, the second paragraph. And he has this in a, a man of Macedonia who was standing in front of him, calling him. So it's like, well, looks like that's where we have to go. So first, I just noticed just a freebie. But if God gives you a dream of something to do, and it's like loving on people, caring for people, probably a good thing. Like, let's, let's go for it. I don't think we have to pray too much when he's already spoken and confirmed and put in our heart through the church. And that's what Paul did. So they got up and they set sail in verse 11 of Acts 16. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage. And all of a sudden, I love that word, a direct voyage, that they said, where do we have to get? And they made the trek. They went there and made it happen. Verse 12, and from there to Philippi, which is leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place, place of prayer. Now, as we were just studying and looking at this, this is an important passage that is so easy to go over. Because why is it on the day of prayer, why is it that they went out to a river rather than going to a synagogue or to a temple? Why, why didn't they have a, a meeting place? And through study, the reason is because you had to have at least 10 men that would be together before you would have that place. So basically, it's kind of like in the Assemblies of God. You have to have 20 voting members or you can't be a general council church. It's similar in their day that there was, a, there was structure that was put in place. So they didn't have that, which meant they went to the river because that's what you did if you didn't have the place is you went down to the river and prayed. And even people that came from out of town, Jewish people, would have known there's not the temple, so therefore I'm going to go and I'm going to go to the river where people will be. And that's exactly what they found. People that were looking and, and worshiping and serving the Lord. This is the moment. And when they were there in verse 14, a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, was who was worshiper of God, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So when we look at this passage, I want to talk about three groups of people that became a part of a church campus or a launch team, right? What kind of people can become a part of that team? Now, the first one we see here, we just read about, is Lydia. This lady was a seller of purple. Uh, what, what does that mean? What does that look like? That meant she was well off. The reason that would be there is because that is expensive. That is something that you don't just have. It's not the norm, but it's something that is special. So she was most likely well known because the clothes she would have worn as someone who, who made that, who sold that, uh, would, she would have worn clothes that would have been extra, let's just say. So, you know, when I think of it, I think of if you've seen Hunger Games, and when you go into the city of Hunger Games, and all these people are wearing crazy outfits. Like, in her day, that's what she would have been selling, the crazy outfits, the ones that the rich people wore, the ones that I couldn't afford, but those people could afford. That's who they find. And it says that God opened her heart. And this is so important, because in a church plant, in a church, in the kingdom of God, we don't really... Oh, let's say it this way. We're not that smart. 
We need God to come and to open our heart. We need God to come and to show himself and reveal himself to us. And I love how it is put right here in the word because the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what, she, what was said by Paul. It was almost an afterthought. Once she paid attention, then she was baptized. Once she had heard the word, then she said yes to the word. So she was already there to worship God in the Old Testament form. And all of a sudden, she hears about Jesus. She hears about the power of who he is. I would say maybe from religion. Lord, I'm worshiping you. I'm doing the best I can. Now all of a sudden, I get to experience relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. When she heard about it, she said, I am all in. So who's this first person? Those who are blessed and well off. Now, you think today, we're, we live in Dublin. There's so many of us that if you take the percentage of the world, we're in like the 90th, 95th percentile when it comes to what we have. Even people here that you'd say, man, I, I don't have as much as maybe somebody else. We're still high in the percentage of, of what we have, the things, the possessions, the money that we live off. If you compare us with anywhere else in the world. We are well off. We are blessed and some even to a next level. And I love that he goes here and right off the bat, somebody who is well off, someone who is blessed becomes a part of this team. And she in fact says, come into my home. Come, don't go by, but come, let me bless you. Let me pour into you. I believe that there's something so important about realizing that wherever we are, you are blessed, that God has blessed you, he's poured himself into you, and we need blessed people to be a part of a team that are going to say, I'm going to go to Marysville, and guess what, we need a, a lot of blessed people who right here at Dublin say, oh man, we're sending a lot of people to Marysville, which means we need new leaders, we need people to step up, we need people that maybe you thought you had served in the past and you're done, not anymore. We're playing campuses. No one can be done because we have to come together, right? We get to experience the blessing of God and we get to do it together. Hosting Jesus and his people, I believe, changes everything in our lives. Last night, having all those girls in our house, there was so much energy. There was so much excitement. If you were an introvert, you would have been exhausted big time. But if you're an extrovert like me, it's like, woo! It's like you can't go to bed when you lay down. It didn't have anything to do with the movie that was rattling our wall right on the other side of it. That had nothing to do with it. But the excitement of that, of all the people, was so incredibly amazing. But when we host people, when we take care of people, when we take care of Jesus and what his call is in our life, something powerful happens and change comes. So the blessed and well-off. But as we continue to go through this story, Thankfully, the message of the gospel is not only for people who are blessed and well-off, who say life is easy. That's kind of what you, the feeling that you get here from her. Because anybody else in the room maybe walked through situations, maybe right now, you're walking, you're like, I don't know that I feel blessed and well-off. I don't know if that's a, the, the spot. In fact, you might have felt blessed and well-off four weeks ago, but today it's like, God, what has happened? Well, guess what? The word of God is really good. I love how he just moves and, and uh, continues to speak. So in verse 16, it says, As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. Now, when we think of fortune-telling, I think of Cedar Point. If you've ever been, during the end of the year, Halloween weekends, they put all of these fortune-telling booths up. And 
Obviously, I don't go to fortune tellers. That is not uh, something I would do. I encourage you not to do it. But those fortune telling booths, you know what those are? Those are people that are sitting there and they have cards or they guess and they're trying to guess, read you. It's a skill that they have to read you and kind of do this thing. This is not that. This is not someone sitting there with a card and guessing. This is a spirit that had come upon this girl and because of it, her owner's made a lot of money. Her owners had an opportunity for, to, to receive from her because she was a slave, and she took care of them. But she followed Paul around. And if you can imagine trying to plant a church in a new place, maybe Pastor Matt and Shanna here going into Marysville, it wouldn't be the best thing to have the demon-possessed person that everyone calls crazy around town, or that person, as your, uh, your trumpet to say, here they come, Paul and Silas are coming, they're the servants of the Most High God. Like, at some point you'd say, could the crazy person please stop it? Could we, could we just shut this down? And Paul, he got to the point where he was like, I can't handle this anymore. Right? He says, be quiet. I would say that the annoyance that he had by this girl caused her, in fact, it says it right here, Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Now, the thing that I began to see is this girl, I believe, was a part of this church plant. This girl who was enslaved, who was, had spirits on her, Paul got annoyed with sin and got annoyed with the evil spirits that he cast the evil spirits out. And I believe the church needs a whole lot of people who get annoyed by sin, who get annoyed by what the devil's doing in people's lives, get annoyed by people who are enslaved and are captive to people or to things or to spiritual realm. That we as the church have to get annoyed when sin is around us. Now, real fast, I'm not saying at the people I'm not saying we shun people. I'm not saying we don't let people in who have that, because that's all of us at some point in our life. But we get annoyed at the sin that we say, I am willing to do whatever it takes to go and share the message of the gospel because there's people that their lives are ruined. They are enslaved. They are captive. They are a mess because they've never experienced the power of God. Now, that's what we get to do is bring the power of God. This girl can imagine her life completely changing with the message of the gospel, with the truth that Paul and Silas brought, with the deliverance that Paul and Silas brought. And all of a sudden, this girl who was enslaved and in trouble, who had spirits on her, all of a sudden, this girl became a part of this church planning team. She, she got to be a part of what God was doing in this community because when God shows up, the people that are enslaved, the people that are in trouble, the people that are demon-possessed, all of a sudden it changes, and there's healing, and there's wholeness. So God, he wants people who are blessed and well-off to be a part of a church plant, but he also wants people that are enslaved, and that are in trouble, and their life looks a wreck, because those are the people we're believing God's going to bring hope and healing to, and all of a sudden they are going to be the greatest witness there is, because I guarantee you this girl who had spirits on her, all of a sudden giving praise to God, probably spoke more to anybody in that place than anybody else. This girl, her life was radically transformed. But if you, you notice that when we do the goodness of God and share the goodness of God, everyone doesn't always like it. In fact, her owners here, they were uh, quite upset at what happened. Their hope of gain was gone. So they seized Paul and Silas. They took them uh, before the rulers. And in the end, they were thrown into jail, into the inner prison. And not only that, but they were beaten. 
And when we think of this beating, most likely that meant they were bloody, that their backs, maybe more of them, was an absolute wreck. Then most likely they were in pain. And then they've got stocks put around their ankles. They're thrown into an inner uh, prison, which generally in their day, it might be in a circular way, and you would kind of get farther and farther into the prison. And when you got to the middle, if you think deeper and farther in, uh, without bathrooms, they didn't let these people go have a bathroom break. They didn't have personal bathrooms like our prisons do, which meant that when they had to go to the bathroom, what did they do? They would go to the bathroom. And if you are on the inner prison, then it all just seeps down, which means when you get to the bottom level or that, the inner part, it is disgusting. It is nasty. So now you have been beaten. You're probably bleeding all over the place. You probably are not clothed like you would want to be. You are in a wreck of a situation. It's where Paul and Silas find themselves because they cared and loved people, because they set a girl free. Now, what do you do? Just a little praise break moment. What do you do when you're in this situation? We so often, I don't know, I don't know that praise is our first thought. When we're in a prison cell, we're bleeding all over the place, we've got our feet in stocks, right? How many of you, um, okay, maybe we bring it back a little bit. It's hard to praise when a friend just says something that's a little rude towards us, right? And we take it personal. Anybody? That's, that's right? Uh, it's hard to praise. It's hard to keep Jesus on the front of it when we lose our job or when we don't know what to do or it doesn't seem like it's going. It's easy for us to say, this really, this is annoying to me. I don't want to. I don't want to go to church. I definitely don't want to share Jesus with somebody. I just want to be by myself. I want to get in a hole. Now, they were in a hole, but not of their own uh, understanding, but we choose it sometimes. But what did Paul and Silas do? They start to praise Jesus right in the middle of their church planting, plant this campus. They say, this stinks that we're in jail. This stinks that we're bleeding. This stinks that we are in pain and that we're literally in stocks in here, but we're going to worship Jesus. It says about midnight, so they're probably tired too. If they're like me, last night at midnight, I was tired. Maybe still a little bit, but right all of these things happen, and Paul and Silas begin to worship Jesus. They begin to praise Jesus, and it says that all of the people could hear what was happening. Can you imagine if you're the jailer who most likely, in a study, it didn't have to be, but it definitely could have been, the same person who just whipped them and beat them now is hearing them praising Jesus in the middle of the night? All of the people around Saul, probably them come in or could hear the commotion. Oh, there's new ones that have been beaten. And what do Paul and Silas do? They start to praise Jesus. They start to lift up his name. They start to say he's good. He's powerful. He's Lord. What an impact that must have had. Instead of cursing men, they chose to bless God in what would have been a horrific moment. They chose to bless God. Quote I heard uh, recently is the legs feel nothing in the stocks when the heart is in heaven. And my prayer today is that no matter what you're going through, no matter what the situation, whether you're thinking of being a part of a campus launch or you're just thinking it's going to be work here because it is. Lord, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to lift up your name. I'm going to praise who you are and let you move in my life. And I believe that people will notice your praise when you are doing it in spite of your circumstances. It's not that hard to praise when everything's good. It's not that hard to praise when the job's good and the family's good and my health is good and my relationships are good. But it gets more difficult when I say, Lord, everything seems to be falling apart. But Lord, I'm going to praise you anyway. 
And what do we see? I believe over and over and over in the word and well as in our lives, what we see today is when you begin to praise, when you begin to lift up the name of Jesus, something begins to happen. An earthquake might take place in your spirit. An earthquake might take place in your literal life. Something happens, and all of a sudden we say, God, you are doing, uh, just you're amazing. You're an absolutely amazing God. When the earthquake takes place and everything changes, we know it's supernatural because it says the doors fell off. It says the stocks open. Now, if you think about it, if you're in a big brick, like rock sort of a structure, and the door falls off and the stocks fall off, that's a God thing only because the whole thing would collapse. You'd be a mess. God moved. He showed up. He freed them. And in their day, this jailer, who is our last person, this is not a good thing. Because if you let your prisoners escape, that is a death warrant. You're done. You're going to get beat and you're going to get killed. That's basically what's going to happen. And this jailer says, this is it. I'm just going to do it myself because I don't want to be beat first. And he was going to take his own life. And there's a moment that I think we all have to uh, just ask the Lord what he wants us to do. So what do you do when the circumstances say, escape, run away? What do you do when the circumstances say, I want to go the easy route. I want to go what I want to do. But love says, stay. Love says work. Love says we're going to do it. We're going to make it happen. It's been maybe about a year ago, and we really started talking about campuses, and we've been talking for years in general, but this is it. We're going to make it happen. God's doing it. And in our board meeting, we're talking, you know what would be way easy is to keep doing what we're doing. We have really comfortable church. We've got awesome people. We've got an awesome situation. We can do this. Our daycare is wonderful. We're reaching tons of families. Uh, It makes our missions giving. We get to be on the high end of mission giving churches in the United States of America for the Assemblies of God. Like, it's cool. I love getting those things and being on the top five or ten in Ohio. And and, right, those are cool things. But I can't stay. We can't stay where we are. We can't say it's good enough. There's no good enough because there's somebody in Marysville and then in Powell and in Hilliard and in Upper Arlington. There's people all over the city that are dying and going to hell without Jesus. And when I begin to think, I think of just like Paul. No, we can't go anywhere. And in fact, Paul yells out to this guy, do not harm yourself in verse 28. For we are all here. We haven't gone anywhere. We're, We're not gone And this jailer, in a moment, this hardened jailer, a soldier, someone that does what he's told, someone that that just goes step to step, all of a sudden begins to say, what is going on? There's an earthquake. You are free. You should be out of here. But Paul says, I care about you more than I care about me. I care about you and your love and my mission that God has given me more than anything else. I'm not going to give up your life so I can walk out of here. God is simply on the move. And what happens to this jailer? That very night, sirs, he asked, what must I do to be saved? What must I do? This guy who probably is the one that just beat them senseless, heard him worship, heard Silas worship, saw him really save the jailer's life because he was about to kill himself. And all of a sudden he says, I'm going to give everything. You have given me everything. You have shown me. You have been the example, and now I'm going to give everything to this God that you sing to, to this God that you worship, to this God that you praise. And it's so simple. 
to response, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. It's not a whole bunch of crazy stuff, but today we have to believe Jesus. We've got to walk in Jesus. We have to let his love be poured out upon us. Verse 33, and he took them that same hour and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. We see someone who was well off. We see someone who had everything except the most important thing, and that was a relationship with the King of Kings, with Jesus. That her life is made new and she began to bless. We've seen people here that were enslaved, they were in trouble, they literally were demon possessed by the snake demon, basically, if you read it. They're brought into the fold, they're set free. I believe God to be a part of a church plan. This jailer his family that very night who were baptized in the middle of the night they received Jesus he cared enough to say they changed my life by worshiping Jesus by saving my life that now I've got eternal life through Jesus church it's time for us to just ratchet it up a little bit we're gonna keep sharing the love of Jesus but it's gonna take more it's gonna take more effort and more work it's gonna take more there's no other way to look at it Paul and Silas, they show it over and over and over again. In fact, next week, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians, and we're going to look at this same church down the road a few years. We're going to see what God did in this church, and it is powerful. It is mighty, and that's what we're going to see happen in Marysville. God's on the move, and he loves you so much. He's going to use you right where you are. The question today is, Will we be a church that sends out Paul's and Silas's to win one more for Jesus? And I can tell you as pastor, for sure. And I'm asking you as the church to join in with me because I can't be there on Sunday morning, right? That would, right? Not everyone. We'll preach sometimes. We'll make it happen. It'll be fun. But Pastor Matt's going to be preaching. He's going to be bringing it. I'm going to be preaching here, leading here. And guess what we need is a group of people that say, I'm willing to go. So there's three areas and ways you can do it. First, for all of us, is when you commit to pray with us. When you commit to pray for buildings. We, we, right, we need a place. We're believing. In fact, let's be real specific. Our first thing is we're believing for the Avalon Theater, which is being finished in downtown. That's where we want to go. When you pray that the board meeting, which is going to happen soon, I don't know whether they normally would let a church go every single Sunday morning, but would you pray they will? Because I think that would be pretty cool. After going around the other day, Pastor Matt has me sold. This is where we want to be. And if it's not, there's a building right down the street from it, 105 South whatever street. That's my second. I think same spot. Would you pray that God opens up the building? Would you pray that God opens up a launch team? Some that are in this room, 50 to 75, we believe are going to go. But also those that are from Marysville, those that have not been in church in a while, and people have been contacting us saying, we want to be a part. We haven't been in church. We believe there's going to be people that are doing well, that are enslaved. We believe that there's going to be hardened soldiers and people that live day by day doing what they're told, that God's going to bring them. That when you pray that we get a, a launch team to make this happen, would you also give? I think this is also in every one of us. This week, we're starting fundraising. On the 21st, we're going to take a big offering. And I'm believing that we can raise $75,000 before September. That God will pour out his blessing in a mighty way. And maybe 75 isn't enough. There's grants. It'll get up to 200000 through grants and through other means. But 
Maybe that's not enough. In fact, I've been praying and I believe there's people that are in this room that you say, I want to leave a legacy. And you say, I could, I could get five or 10 or 15 or 25. Maybe even someone says, I'm going to feel led to give $50,000 to a church plant. I believe it will be worth every single penny that you pour into it because I believe it's going to be person after person after person. And when we can find the place and find what it is and, and put that money to good use, I believe God is going to be able to move through every penny that comes in. Giving, praying, and the third today is will you partner us with us through going? We're believing for 50 to 75 people that say, I'm going to transfer from showing up at Radiant Life Dublin on a Sunday morning to Radiant Life Marysville. Some of you, you live there. It might be a really good idea to pray, Lord, I'm here. Could this be where you want me to go? The cool thing about it is we're still going to be Radiant Life Church. Pastor Matt, we're going to still be on the same team. I'm going to still be your pastor, and he's your campus pastor. As we said, he's going to preach most of the time, and sometimes I'll come preach in Marysville too. We're going to do this thing together, Royal Rangers, Girls Ministries, Youth Ministries. They're going to be here on Wednesday nights, on Sunday nights, until they get to a point when obviously they would do them uh, in their own way, at their own place. We're together in this. But would you pray, Lord, is this for me? Am I supposed to go? But I'm asking you today, don't pray about giving, and don't pray about praying, right? Let's do those things. Let's all do that. And some people are going to give large amounts. Some people are going to pray. You're going to commit to hours and hours and hours. But could we all sacrifice for the next 21 days? I'm asking for us as a church to pray, to fast. Would you ask the Lord for these things, for money, for people? Would you ask the Lord for prayer warriors to come in? When we think about going, there's a whole lot that are going to be right here at Dublin, and I'm so excited as we continue. We need people that are going to step up, and they're going to take leadership roles, because our goal is to send 50, 75 people, and just about all of them are on worship teams, or they're in kids' ministries, or in the media booth, which, what's that mean? We need all of those spots filled. Would you pray about filling those roles here? God wants to do something special. What I'm encouraging us to do as a church is to step up to go to Marysville, but also to step up to stay right here. We don't want anybody going to Marysville unless it's what God has called you to do. And we believe he's going to call 50 to 75 people. And it's going to be life-changing for you, for your friends, for the community of Marysville. Next week, in fact, right after church, we're going to... Uh, or at the altar time, we're going to be praying. And if you feel that you might be called to Marysville, it's not assigning anything yet, or, you know, it's not a commitment, but we're going to have a time of the altar next Sunday, right at the end of service. This week, would you pray? And if that's you and you're like, man, I think it might be for me. Would you next week, would you come at the end? Would you pray? Pastor Matt and Shanna, they're going to just have a, a few minutes right after church to bless you, encourage you. We're going to be in, in three weeks at Calibrate. They're going to start meeting together as a church, as a campus, as a team. Would you commit to come and to be a part? Church, it happens when we all come together. So this morning, we're going to close with just a time of a song of worship. Maybe you need to come and find an altar. Maybe you need to pray. Maybe it's not as much about Marysville. It's something else that God's speaking to you. And today, you need to say yes to him so you can then hear him on what he's calling you to do here. What he's calling you what your part's going to be, that you're going to pray, that you're going to give, that some are going to go 
but we're all going to make it happen together as we see the goodness of God poured out. So Lord Jesus, we worship you and we praise you. Lord, we thank you that you use those that are well off. You use those that are enslaved. Lord, you use those that are, they're hardened. It seems impossible, but Lord, in an instant, you change lives and hearts. You set people free. And God, we believe we're going to see hundreds and hundreds of people in Marysville come to experience you and your love and your grace. And it's because of a church, those same people that were maybe well off or they were enslaved, or they were hardened, but you broke that down in their life, and all of a sudden they are yours. We're children of the Most High God. So Lord, do your work. Show us your way. Lord, let us get a heart to give. Let us get a heart to pray. Let us give a heart, get a heart to even go and to help and to make Marysville all that it can be. And Lord, at the same time, we pray a blessing over this location at Dublin. God, that you would grow us here, that we would have new leaders, that we would see new life, God. Lord, you are so good. We praise you and we worship you today. Church, would you stand to your feet? Maybe find a place just to get alone with God. You can sing and worship, but also let God speak to you this morning. Church, we love you. So thankful for you. And just pray that God would bless you in a mighty way. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you talk about. Savor the presence of Jesus.